So we have been, we've been going through this series. A couple weeks ago, we talked about I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. And we had the uh, lady from the treasure chest that came and talked about the, the food pantry here that our church partners with here in the Platte County School District. And we talked about ways of getting involved and, and, and making sure that there, there's someone hungry in this community, there's an opportunity for them to get something to eat. And not only just food to eat, but uh, encouragement, connection maybe with the body of Christ. Hey, let me ask you a question real quick, and, let, and let's just be honest about this. How many of you believe that the local church is the hope of the world? You're not very convincing, all right? Uh, yeah, I guess, I don't know. I mean, we do have something that maybe somebody else doesn't have. I don't know. Like, is there power in the name of Jesus? Can, the power, can Jesus break chains? Is there any other organization that can break those chains? No, no, not that I know of. And I started reading this book called Courageous Leadership, and it's really kind of impacted me, and it really kind of convicted me. Like, do we really believe that the church has something different than, the other, than other places here in the world have to offer? Do we really truly live that out, live it and breathe it? I don't, I don't know if we do or not, but we need to and believe that Jesus does have the power to break chains. That's not even part of the sermon. That's just like a, like, this is a little extra piece, a little extra for you this morning. won't even charge you for that. And so the, the church is the hope of the world. It's hope of our world. It's hope for people who are hungry, thirsty, and people who are strangers or people who don't have a place they don't have a home or they need a place to stop in and be refreshed and so today we're going to talk about I was a stranger and you invited me in and so I have invited some friends of mine from Hillcrest uh, Transitional Housing and it's a ministry right here in Platte County and is it in Clay County too Jackson Jackson County yes whoa yeah so like I'm familiar with Platte County because this is where we live but they're everywhere. And so Hillcrest Transitional Housing brought some guests that are going to come and share with you a little bit about that. And then I'll preach a little bit at the end. And you'll be challenged and encouraged as you go from this place. Right? Amen. Let's just pray as they, as they come. And so God, or they're going to show a video, I guess, right? They're going to show a video. So Lord, thank you so much for the fact that we have a place for people to go when they don't have a home. And they need a safe place to be and a place to transition into to everyday life and to get back on their feet as we reach out to them. And thank you that we can be a support of that. Thank you that our church can encourage that right here in our community. So God, would you challenge us today? Would you uh, touch our hearts? Help us to, to hear it, to see it, to feel it, and do something about it. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's watch this video. I'm Donna Mahan. I'm the executive director of Hillcrest Platte County, and I thank you for inviting us to share with you this morning. Um, if you'd indulge me, as I was preparing for this morning, uh, I ran across something uh, that Pastor Rick Warren wrote, and I'd like to share that with you. He says, God calls you to a service far beyond anything you could ever imagine. You were put on earth to make a contribution. You weren't created just to consume resources, eat, breathe, and take up space. God designed you to make a difference with your life. You were created to add life on earth, not just take from it. God wants you to give something back. The Bible says, 
In our union with Christ Jesus, he has created us for a life of good deeds, which he has already prepared for us to do. And what God told Jeremiah is also true for you. Before I made you in your mother's womb, I chose you. Before you were born, I set you apart for a special work. God says every member of his family is to minister, and God has a ministry and mission for you. You know, hearing the song this morning, there is an army rising up, and the soldiers are right here. Um, Again, I'm with Hillcrest Platte County, and I would like to just give you a little overview kind of of what we're doing, how we're expanding, how how you can serve alongside us right here in Platte City. Um, How many are you familiar with the thrift shop, the Hillcrest thrift shop? Yeah, it's like right next door, right? (laughs) Um, That is a wonderful way for us to reach out to community members who are needing some assistance in making ends meet by having an alternative to full price retail. It's a wonderful opportunity for us to serve alongside each other in that ministry. And it's one of our main revenue sources. You know, all the proceeds from that thrift shop go into our housing ministry. And how many of you are familiar with our housing ministry? It's kind of what um, Tara was talking about in the video, and you should be as um, being very involved with apartment sponsorship. We have 35 fully furnished apartments here in Platte County. Five fourplexes just right down the street here off 2nd Street, you know, past the courthouse. And there's an apartment there where, you know, a family is served on an ongoing basis who is needing a place to stay. You know, the average age of a homeless person in Missouri and Kansas is seven years old. And, you know, it's a lot of moms with young kids. The resources that are offered downtown through shelters are an amazing offering to the community, but it's not necessarily a great place to raise a family. And so that's where Hillcrest comes into play in offering these apartments and offering a home while they go through the Hillcrest 90-day program of budgeting and learning life skills and the skills necessary to be self-sufficient. We are able to truly, you are able to truly offer hospitality to those families in need in our community. Um, How about the Blessings Program? That is one of our recent uh, expansions of our mission. You know, we have long served the working homeless, and we have expanded our mission to serve the insecurely housed. Are any of you familiar with the Blessings Program? Yeah, I would think over here because your church supports that as well. What we do in this program isn't wildly advertised out in the public. We merely administer some of the benevolence funds of local Platte County churches. So when someone comes into your church needing assistance, financial assistance, then they can be sent to the blessings program. And we will partner matching dollar for dollar what you were able to offer that family. You know, many times if a family is in need of assistance with their utilities, uh, they will come to the local church. What the Blessings Program allows your church to offer is that case management, that budget counseling, that ongoing accountability for uh, anyone that has helped financially. To date, um, there have been 150 evictions stopped. So 150 families who would have been homeless and needing one of our apartments are able to be served right there in their own home without going through that whole process. 
Now here's another one. How many of you know that we started a young adult program recently? Actually, kiddos that go to school in this school who are homeless are able now to um, be served through Hillcrest Platte County in our young adult program. Uh, when, uh, you know, the song again, I loved all the song choices this morning. I'm over there scribbling, open my eyes to things unseen. You know, many of us don't realize the struggle that some of our students here at this school are facing. And um, when a counselor, the counselor from this school called us last October seeing if, we just had an empty bed that a student could use for 24 hours, so she had some additional time to find a resource for him. It opened our eyes to a need that was right here, and we began the Young Adult Housing Program. And we are in need of volunteers throughout all of these ways that we serve the community. This morning, I'm thrilled to have with us Lou Warner, who is um, the director of our thrift shops. And he's going to share with you a little bit about how to become involved right here, within walking distance of your church. Thank you, Donna's. <clears throat> uh, the, you saw a picture of a thrift shop. That was actually the one on the south side. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the one that we have here in Platte City, we just celebrated four years already, believe it or not. Uh, it was always my dream to have that thrift shop be a church, if you will, in the community a group of folks that have hearts for those uh, they are going through some hard times. So the thrift shop serves several purposes uh, other than just a funding stream. It's an opportunity for you to get connected with other people in the community. It's an opportunity for you to get connected with other people that are volunteering. Uh, it's a way that you can get a front row seat to some other stories going on uh, if you just aren't aware of some of the things that are unseen around us. We have, um, uh, we've had 5,000 folks go through the store last year, so we are connecting with this community. And so think of it also as a way that we address the insecurely housed. Just like with our blessing program, we also are offering these services up as a way to keep folks from falling off the cliff. Uh, you may or may not know most families are two missed paychecks away from devastation, and so it's not a surprise. There's a reason why August sales are up. That's back-to-school clothing going on out in the community and things like that. We're seeing evidence that we are meeting a need in the community and having a lot of fun with it, too. Uh, who is a thrift shop, uh, thrift shop goer or who frequents thrift shops out there? Anybody like to shop at the thrift store? Do you know what the number one leisure activity in America is? Shopping. You got it. So it is a... Uh, they say the secret to uh, thrift shopping is just be a volunteer. You get to see everything first. That's where you see all the, the good stuff. So, But we have a lot of fun. We have uh, probably uh, over 60 active volunteers right now, a little over 100 coming through uh, each month trying to help us out. And But we are overwhelmed with the generosity of this community as far as donations. In the thrift industry, you're at the mercy of two things, or our model of running a thrift shop. We're at the, the mercy of two things, and that's volunteers and donations. We have a few folks that are on staff, but we are a volunteer-driven organization, and we do that for a number of reasons. One, primarily, is just so more money can fund new programs like Donis is talking about, new buildings, new staff, 
to provide and meet the needs of the community. But the other is uh, really a primarily it's, a, it's a, an organization, a community, if you will, where we can get people plugged in, folks that are living in isolation that can come out of that isolation, even if it's only for an hour or two a month. Uh, I've met with, with uh, individuals who have had lost their loved ones and literally use us for therapy through that recovery process. Uh, we, have, uh, we have an ability to make you feel welcome, whether you're a shopper, a volunteer, or even a, a staff person at Hillcrest. And so that's one of our goals is really just to, you know, how do you, uh, we're all on a journey to be more compassionate in our lives. So how, do you, how have I been able to do that is moving in a little closer to some of these folks that are not going through such hard times. It's a proximity thing for me. It's been a great part of my spiritual journey, just getting up close and more personal to folks. And I'm talking about sometimes a shopper will come in and, and just share their life with you. And we have people that come in that we counsel. We tend to be a lighthouse in the community for folks that don't know about Hillcrest. They'll come to us first and get information. And so uh, there's all kinds of things going on at the Hillcrest Thrift Shop and plenty of ways that you can get involved from greeting to organizing. Uh, it really is unlimited in terms of how you're wired and how you could help us through that process. And like I said, we're barely able to keep up with everything coming on. And there's one thing I've learned in this business, everybody's got a lot of stuff. And so I think it's going to keep coming in and we would love to have you be a part of that Hillcrest team. And Donna and I will be available after the service to uh, cover any questions you might have on how you might like to get involved. The, um, uh, just, just keep in mind that um, there are ministry opportunities inside and outside the walls of Hillcrest, and they are abundant. And no matter how you're wired, if you want to get involved with the people side, it's just unlimited. If you'd rather just... Uh, categorize things and and you know work in the back room that's fine too uh, it really just is limitless on how you get involved with the thrift operation and what a what a uh, what a great experience we have we're, we're we don't uh, have a service on Sunday that we preach in the store but we're open six days a week and so uh, the beautiful part about that is just trying to move folks closer to God through this process we call a thrift shop. And so we'd love for you to be a part of that. The, um, I think that we also, we, uh, you know, the, the uh, other thing that's really fun for us is we get to see uh, a lot of the folks in the housing and get to hear their stories. And uh, we've got a guest with us up here today that we wanted her to come in, just share a little bit of insight on what it's been like for her experience here with, at Hillcrest. And so when you ask folks that are involved in the thrift shop, you know, why do you do this crazy stuff? Because we, we really do a lot of crazy things. We, uh, it's, it's stories like this and stories that you saw in the video that really, really uh, make a difference. You know, with the idea of bringing in 158 children last year off the streets into our program alone, that's just last year, you know, is enough to really, really make you feel good about being involved. So I'm going to hand this over to Audra. We asked her to come up today. If you welcome her, she's going to share a little bit of her story with you. Audra and Piper. Um, my name is Audra, and 
This is my daughter, Piper. She is now known as the youngest Hillcrest graduate. Um, I ended up in the Hillcrest program um, August of last year. Um, I was coming into my last trimester of my pregnancy with Piper. Um, my other daughter was four at the time. Um, Piper's father took off um, two weeks after I found out that I was pregnant. Um, I ended up in an apartment that I couldn't afford uh, with a car and a car payment that I couldn't afford. And there was no way I could do both at the same time, especially by myself. Um, I was scared. I was alone. Um, I was desperate. And I had no family and nowhere to turn. And uh, I started looking into some things and talking to a few friends, and I found out about the Hillcrest program. And um, I filled out the application online, and I started doing my daily check-ins, and I mean, I was vigilant. i pretty sure a couple times I called twice a day just to make sure that I didn't mess up and not call. Um, I finally got a phone call from Debbie, uh, who's actually at the Platte City location um, off of 2nd and Vine, and uh, went in for my interview and just begged, I just, please, just help us. Um, I couldn't have my baby in a car. Um, I just wanted to save my family. And uh, having to do it all alone was probably the scariest thing. And... Uh, we uh, I got we got accepted into the program and we moved into our apartment uh, at the end of August and uh, it is not an easy program but I was determined nothing was going to stop me and I worked my butt off um, at my job and in the program and I did it and nothing was going to stop that because I have these two little things depending on me. And I couldn't let them down. I couldn't let myself down. And uh, I um, graduated the program in the end of December. I <laughs> went to work that day, and uh, I had literally just moved into my apartment, my new apartment, the night before, and uh, made my speech. And. Uh, <laughs> Got done with the graduation ceremony and looked at Debbie and said, I think it's time for me to go to the hospital. And she goes, are you kidding me? I said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm in labor right now. I need to go to the hospital. And she jumped in my car and I jumped in my car with her and she drove me to the hospital and about three hours later, Piper was here. <laughs> but that just shows the determination that I had because I had worked so hard in that program and I fought so hard to survive and to succeed that um, nothing was gonna stop me from that final completion and that completion was my graduation. And uh, we have an apartment. Um, it's still a struggle. But I'm in a lot, I'm in a more amazing place than I was a year ago. And I was telling Donis this morning that I was cleaning out my purse last night. And I was 
coming across all this old paperwork. And I just had piles of this paperwork. And I'm like, what is all this stuff? And I start reading through everything. And I had stacks of phone numbers, of notes, of appointments, of resources, because that is how determined that I was, that I was going to keep my family together and I was going to make something happen for us. And I don't know where I would be right now without the Hillcrest program. They saved my family. They saved me. Um, I'm still in touch with um, some of my church sponsors. Um, they have were absolutely amazing. Anything that I needed when I was feeling that despair, like, I can't do this. Like, I can't do this program. I'm not going to make it. They were there to pick you up and say, no, you've got this. And, you know, being able to talk to the case managers and the other people in the program, it was just, we, you do more than anything, you walk away with a sense of accomplishment, but you walk away with a family, with a community. And that, to me, was more important and more the, the biggest benefit of anything in that program. Because I still, a lot of my friends now are graduates from the Hillcrest program. And they're my brothers. They're my sisters. They're my friends. They're my family. They're my community. And that is more amazing than anything. It's just... This program is absolutely vital to so many families, to so many people who are feeling that loss, that desperation, that loneliness, to know that you literally have a home to go to every night now. Your children have a warm bed to sleep in every night, a hot shower, hot meals. You have a stove to cook on, and you're able to save money you know, and, and get that nest egg and get that fresh start and be able to walk back out into the world, so to speak, with a newfound sense of independence and strength and in this inner courage that you did not know that you had inside of yourself. And I, I've always thought of myself as a strong person, but this program really made me realize I'm a warrior. I am an absolute soldier. And if I can get through this, I am pretty sure I can get through just about anything. Somehow, some way, with God, with my friends. And I've realized that in the long run, you know, I mean, it may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, but we're going to be okay. My kids and I, we're going to be okay because we can do this. And even now, I know that you know, if I'm having the struggles and I'm getting down and feeling lost again, that there's people that I can call to say, like, I just need to talk, you know, like, I'm losing my grip and I need to talk. And, you know, they're there and it's amazing. Amen. Okay, I'd like to re-ask a question that Brady asked uh, all of you earlier. In the name of Jesus, does the local church break chains? Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We can make a difference together. We don't have to be in isolation. There is a need right here in your backyard 
God created each of you in a unique way to answer that need. If you feel called to walk alongside us at Hillcrest, Lou and I will be in the lobby after service to talk to you more about getting plugged in. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. <laughs> yes. Awesome. One of the things that we enjoy about being a community church are things like this that we can partner with and come alongside. We don't have to create this ministry because the ministry already exists. And so we can support it uh, financially. We can support it with hands and feet of people like you and me who can go in and offer the hope that Jesus offers. And so I want to encourage you to, to, to be really considering that and be praying about that and thinking about how, how can my eyes be open to that need and how can I be a part of, of doing that and so that's the reason why we had him come today. So hopefully that was the, that's what happened. So hospitality, this, this idea, this thought of what is, what is hospitality? What does biblical hospitality look like? What do you think about when you hear the phrase hospitality? You think about like someone who has that, that, uh, that gift of hospitality. They can welcome people into their home. They have like all of the, all, everything just so-so, their house is clean, they can entertain, they can feed you, they can just have, they just, they just know what they're doing and they just have a certain gift. You know anybody like that in your life? You might be like that, I don't know. There's a lady named Teresa Gutshaw, she's like that. Teresa Gutshaw has the gift of hospitality and she can make cookies that will melt your heart, you know, so she just has that presence about her. And so I want to just share a few things about that this morning. So in Romans 12, we, we, I preached on this a few weeks ago. In Romans 12, it talks about this idea of hospitality. So let's just look at that real quick. That's not where we're going to be the whole time. But I just want you to just introduce this thought. In Romans chapter 12, we'll just do 9 through 13. We'll read the whole chapter again. But Romans chapter 12, 9 through 13. And so it, with this idea of God opening up our eyes to the needs around us. And so 9 through 13 says, love must be sincere, right? We want it to be real. We want it to be authentic. We want it to be real. We want to go into someone's home and someone offers you hospitality. You want it to feel like they really, truly enjoy just you being there. Like they really are happy that you're there. You know, you might have been in some places before where you, you go there and you feel like, I don't know that they really want us to be here, but they're going to just tolerate us for a little while until we're gone. Um, I actually had two opportunities this, uh, this past week of really incredible hospitality. I invited myself over to Justin's house, um, and Justin and Julie's house on Sunday night for a picnic, and I brought some friends with me, and they just welcomed us in and loved on us. It was awesome. Fourth of July, we went over to the fort. We had to be like escorted onto the, it wasn't even an easy process. Sometimes hospitality gets messy, doesn't it? Like in order to reach out and really love people, it's not easy. Like they had to like coordinate this like, this maneuver, this military operation. <laughs> they come out and they pick us up. They, they stick us in their trunk so we can sneak into the fort. No, we weren't in the trunk, all right? We were actually in the car. We had fake IDs. We had disguises and we, uh. I mean, we got onto the fort, and we ended up having, how many people were at your house? Like 100? I mean, it felt like 100. And there, like, food just kept multiplying. Like, I don't know where. It was like manna from heaven dropping out onto the grill. It was awesome. And we ate, and we had some, we had some fun. I'm going to talk about that here in just a little bit. But it was an incredible experience. But it felt sincere. I felt like they really did want us there. We were white people with black people. They wanted us there. 
It was crazy. It felt good. It felt like home. So love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Just be devoted to each other. Like in Acts 2, 42-47, it says they devoted themselves. They just gave themselves to teaching and to fellowship and prayer and breaking a bread together. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. It's a culture of honor when it comes to hospitality. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction. When it is hard, when it gets hard, and um, like Audrey was talking about, like, you know, it's not easy. You got through the program, but it's still hard. Be, be patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. And then this is phrase, practice hospitality. Like, how do we get good at something? We practice it, right? We live it out. We, we exercise it. And we practice loving each other this way. So I was just doing some, some study, just researching about the word hospitality. And, and is it interesting that the word hospital is in the word hospitality? And last night I went to the hospital <laughs> to visit someone. Matter of fact, there's a uh, gentleman, uh, some people in our church, they're Malinowski, Steve and Jana Malinowski, if you know them. Steve was the guy the last couple of weeks taking pictures. Uh, and his uh, father just, they think they found cancer in his lung and in his spine. Now they're doing some more tests. They're, I'm praying that they're wrong. <laughs> I'm just praying that that chain's been broken in the name of Jesus, that they'll find out that this, it was just something different. Maybe it wasn't cancerous. But he's in the hospital right now, at, right as we speak, and Steve's there with him. And so uh, let's just pray right now for a guy named Walt, Steve's dad who's been here to church a few times. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, would you break that chain of cancer in Walt's life? And as they go through more tests and they discover what really is going on, God, I pray that, that uh, he would be healed, that you would touch him, he'd be reminded of your love for him. Like when he's in this hospital receiving mercy and compassion, Lord, in the form of hospitality, in a, just a more serious form of it, obviously, would you remind him of your love for him today? So we lift up Walt Malinowski to you right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. So hospitality refers to a relationship between a guest and a host. Wherein when the guest comes, the guest receives uh, some a reception. They welcome them. They feed them. Maybe they entertain them. One particular individual, his name was Luis Chevalier de Jacourt, describes hospitality as the virtue of a great soul that cares for the whole universe through the ties of humanity. Break that down. It's like the universe is blessed when we bless one another. When humans bless humans, it's just something good about that. There's something, it feels good, doesn't it? Because we know the opposite of that. When, when humans treat humans bad, it doesn't feel good, does it? It messes with the whole universe. But when people love each other, isn't that awesome to be in a place of, of acceptance and love? Gosh, we hope you feel that way when you come here. You know what? And it's our responsibility to make sure that people feel that way when they come here. Your responsibility. Okay? I can model it, 
but it's your responsibility to make sure that it happens. So the Greek word for hospitality is actually, it's a X-E-N-I-A, it's pronounced xenia. And it seems like our word hospitality is a little weaker than this word because xenia is a reciprocal, divinely sanctioned duty and responsibility, whereas hospitality is merely a kindness we offer out of courtesy. But xenia is deeper than that. It's like, it's going to be good for you and for me. It's not just good for the person that's visiting. It's good for the person who is actually hosting. Now, this is how we normally think about uh, hospitality. is just this, that's a courtesy. Yeah, okay, people are coming over. What happens when you find out people are coming over to your house? What do you do? Huh? Vacuum? Who said vacuum? Yeah, <laughs> Vacuum. Right, yeah, like I get the lines in the carpet, I got to make sure you start like throwing stuff and hiding it or whatever because we don't want them to see your, your real life. They want you to see the, like the per- perfect life. You just go, get, it's kind of crazy around my house. It's like when we know people are coming over, I just like get on the couch and like get in a fetal position because my wife is on duty, you know, like she is getting ready. She's getting busy and the girls just shut their door. <laughs> we, you know, no, ain't nobody got time to see that, all right, just shut the door. And we get ready and we prepare for the people to come over. So we think maybe of it as something we offer to someone out of courtesy. When it comes down to it, Zinnia is a particular kind of friendship between people who began, listen to this, this is a great phrase, who began as strangers but by virtue of a sort of providence or care end up having lifelong bonds that are strong. It's, it's a great picture, it's a great it's a great idea of what it could and should look like. So zinnia or obligatory hospitality was practiced all over the ancient world. It seems actually in the ancient world it was a really serious matter. Actually, some would say there would actually be a curse on you if you didn't offer hospitality. Now, I don't, obviously don't believe that, but... A person was obligated, if he found out, listen, if he found out that a person did not have a place to sleep or was hungry, there was an obligation to ask that person into his own home. There was just this sense of responsibility for the, the, the stranger or the traveler or the one that was not in their own home. And their, and their doors would be open. Like if your door was open, there was a sense of just, you're welcome. The door says, door's open, you're welcome. Come on in. And I don't know that we do this consciously in our own home, but we always leave our door open. Uh, but at night, we do lock it. You know, we're not that crazy. <laughs> we're not, I have a lot of faith, but not that much faith, you know. We still lock it at night, but the rest of the time, we're like, hey, Brady, you going to lock your door? No, we just leave it open. Okay. Like, we should have a revolving door at our house. It's just things that spins, you know. It just goes like that. So we, there was a sense of, like, I'm obligated to help these people. So there's some examples in Scripture, obviously. We're at church. Here's the Bible. There's two, two examples that I looked at, and there's one in Genesis, 8, Genesis 18, and there's one in Acts 28. Okay, Genesis 18 and Acts 28. The first one in Genesis is when um, Abraham, little, little did he know, actually offers hospitality to a pre-incarnate uh, Jesus and a couple angels. Man, if you knew Jesus and a couple angels were coming to your house, you think you'd get crazy when the pastor's coming over. Can you imagine what it would look like? And Abraham's wife didn't even have a clue. <laughs> and Abraham 
goes, hey, uh, you know, we got these guests, uh, get some, make some bread, uh, kill the calf, we're going to have a feast. You know, like, I wonder what Sarah's uh, discussion was with him afterwards, like, did you know that was Jesus coming? And you didn't even tell me. Like, I didn't know, I just knew that these people were special because it says that he bowed down and he offered them this biblical, beautiful hospitality. And he gives us a model to follow. And then in Acts 28, Paul shipwrecked in, the, in this island Malta, and he's shipwrecked, and these complete strangers, people that don't even know who they are, could even think that they were maybe they're coming to harm them in some way. It says they rolled out the red carpet for them. These guys, they probably weren't even believers. And they loved better sometimes than Christians do. Can I get an amen? Can I get an ow that hurts? <laughs> you know, because it does sometimes. And they, it says that they, uh, they welcomed them into their home, like the pro-council, like the chief of the island, welcomed them into their home. They fed them. They entertained them. They made sure they had a safe place to sleep. And they basically gave them their very best. That's the picture of biblical hospitality. You giving the other person your very best. I mean, it'd be one thing to move into Hillcrest and there'd be no furniture. It's like, here's an apartment. There's some room, two room, you know, here's a room, here's a, here's a living room, here's a kitchen. But there's nothing to sit on, nothing to cook with. And I think there is a sense of wanting to give them the very best that we can offer them. But material things are one thing, but the very best that we can offer them is ourselves, right? Is, our, is this friendship and this relationship that could be a lifelong bond. So remember last week, I used this phrase, um, xenophilia. It was this, this love of stranger. And so it's this idea of wherever and whenever. Because you might think, well, when should I offer hospitality? Wherever and whenever people need it. Whenever our eyes are opened to people around us who need it, that's when we are to offer it. It's like it should be something that we have just readily available on our person to give. Like, I love it when someone, someone needs, uh, man, I just, anybody got a pocket knife? My father-in-law, who was an incredible man, taught me how to just carry a pocket knife. Now, you can't carry it into Sprint Center. I realized that the hard way. Lost that pocket knife, all right? <laughs> There's certain places you can't carry it through the, the, the airport, you know, when you go to travel. But, like, when you just have something somebody else's need, doesn't it feel good to provide for them? When you're like, oh, yeah, wait a minute, I got one of those. Hold on. And you're able to go and get it and give it to them. That's what we can offer when it comes to hospitality. But the real essence of hospitality, it really comes down to this. It's like Jesus who had compassion on people who were sheep without a shepherd. He offered them um, compassion and he gave them mercy. That's the real essence of hospitality. It's mercy. It's relieving their suffering of some kind, in some way. And that's what he calls the church to I was talking to Brady Rogers. You know Brady Rogers used to own the hotel here in town? It was, it was the Comfort Inn, now it's the Quality Inn. And I, I share this as just a practical example for you. Brady owned this hotel. It was a 
it's the hospitality business. I mean, he was in it to make money, but he always had a few rooms set aside to offer hospitality and love to the stranger. And we were in partnership together. It seemed like I was always, people always come to me, hey, I don't have a place to go. This was before Hillcrest, this was like, we didn't have really anywhere else to go with them. And so I would contact Brady, and Brady would open up the, 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 the doors to them, usually at a discounted price. Sometimes he would just give it to us. But more than just giving them a place to stay, Brady would meet with them and pray with them and encourage them and offer them this Christ-centered mercy. And, you know, we were talking yesterday, and he said, you know, I, I miss that part of the hospitality business, the, uh, the headaches that come along with it, because I don't miss that so much. But I miss being able to offer that. And he said, uh, what, if, what if we had, a, like, a Jesus home? Because, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, a Jesus home. Because there, there's still, there's still a still a, di- a distance between Hillcrest and the street that we can at least minister to someone for a while until maybe they're able to get into the program. And a hotel is just not a great option because, for one, it's expensive. And, and then there's really nobody there to love on them and to minister to them. And I was like, man, that's a great, that's a great thought. I've thought a lot about that. Justin and I talked once about the house across the street from where he used to live. He's getting ready to move, but there's an oh, empty house. I'm like, I don't know, maybe someday, you know, the Lord gave us the thrift store and gave us Hillcrest. Who knows, that could happen, maybe someday. Do you believe, let's just finish up with this, do you believe that our, our love of strangers and our love of those who are in need can bring healing to them? Maybe even physical in some sense, but it's a spiritual, emotional like, I'm not alone anymore kind of healing. I believe it's true. And, and the Lord uh, gives us, and let's just finish with this passage, my favorite, favorite passage, Acts chapter 2. So if you have your Bible. Just a, Quick side note, if you don't have your own copy of Scripture, you have your own Bible, we have extra ones you can just keep. But learn to, to bring them and learn to open them. And my wife would show me notes of stuff that she'd written in her Bible, you know, before I came up here. And just mark it up. Just dig into it and, and underline stuff so you can be reminded of it later. So if we believe that true biblical hospitality can bring healing and it can make a difference in people's lives. They, they give us a model um, for this in the early church. This is how the church started. So it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. This is, uh, sorry, Acts 2, 42, starting at 42. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And to the fellowship, um, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So these were the things they were devoted to. Everyone was filled with awe. Many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. That's a sweet picture of just 
biblical hospitality. They're all together, had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people, of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. On the 4th of July, when we were in our uh, gathering there at the Richardson's home on the fort, we ended up, ended up in this, uh, we ended up in the garage, and we were all sitting around, and somehow we started playing this game <laughs> where if you sat in the center of the circle, you had to answer any question that was asked of you completely honest, honestly. Now, does that freak any of you out just a little bit to sit in that? Yeah, some of you, some of us there avoided that garage like it was the plague. You know, I am not going there, all right? But, I, but for one, I think if you, if you want to truly experience true healing and true community, there is a time and a place where you have to come clean and be honest with one another and be real with one another. Listen, we don't get the chance to do that on Sunday morning. We just, well, maybe some of you do, but for the most part, we don't. We come in with a smile on our face. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing fine. Everything's wonderful. Good. Great. Bless you. See you next week. Right? And if you're like, man, Brady, if you start having church where we have to sit in the middle and I'll be honest, I'm not coming back. <laughs> this will be my last Sunday here. Thank you. <laughs> but in that, in that setting, in that Acts 2.42, all together, we ate together, we prayed together, we encouraged one another, and we shared life together. In that setting, someone asked me this question when I was sitting in the middle. Because yeah, I went to, I wasn't just like I was going to go and just be real, be honest. And they said, Brady, where do you see the church in 20 years? And I said, my hope is, is that there'll be more and more um, moments like this for everybody involved in the church. Where everyone has a chance to be with some a few other people to just to know them and to be known by them. That's, that's my hope. Is that we can all be in a place where we are devoted to one another and loving one another. And if you have a need, that need gets met because you already know people that can help meet the need. In your circle, you like, hey, I know. I know someone that can take care of that. Uh, I know someone at Hillcrest. I know at the thrift store, look, we can find that for you. You see what I'm saying? You know already where to f get food for the hungry. You already know where you can get a drink for someone who's thirsty. And you already know a place where a stranger can come and be loved and accepted. That's, listen, that's the picture of the church. And is the church in America starts to, to experience, I think, some more persecution, <laughs> I mean, it's still prime time on Sunday morning. We're still, this is still, like, this is still acceptable and okay. But what happens when the day when the, when something happens, when they say you can't meet anymore, whatever, there better be pockets of individuals meeting together and gathering and being devoted to one another, taking care of one another, already established, 
so that the church doesn't actually stop growing, it actually gets stronger because it becomes a lifeline for people and it really does become the hope of the world. For so many people, the church is just one option. That it can't be so. It's got to be the option. And it's our responsibility to teach that, but also model that. Does that make sense? And I need your help doing that. You know, we all have resources. We all have things that we can offer. So start asking yourself, God, how can you use me in that? How do you want to use me in that? And so we're going we're to sing one more song. And as we're singing the song, uh, maybe, you, maybe your eyes have been opened today to something, and you want to pray about that. You want to commit that to the Lord. You want to offer yourself to that. Whatever that looks like, now's the time to put some feet uh, to that commitment. All right, let's worship.